You are listening to the Jason V. Holmes Podcast, a weekly podcast about economics, world events, life in Korea, the manosphere, entrepreneurship, his book, and more. Now your host, Jason. How's it going, everyone? This is Jason. I'm your host of the Jason V. Home Podcast. And today, it is Saturday, September 4, 2001, and it is 12.13 p.m. here in South Korea. So this time, I'm coming to you a little bit later in the day, so I'm a little, little more woken up, a little bit alert. But today, um, this is, we're going to talk about episode number four, is a Life in Korea-focused podcast. And the subject we're going to be talking about is migrants are doing the jobs South Koreans sneer at, pretty much South Koreans don't want to do. So this podcast is going to be a life and career podcast. It's not going to be a manosphere-focused podcast. reason being is that I want to kind of mix it up a little bit. I do want to talk about other things other than just manosphere-related topics. So today, we're going to talk about life in Korea. For those of you who probably are fan fanboys and girls of Korea, you guys probably know the most about like BTS, K-pop, K-drama, but and you watch YouTubers who talk about mukbang and oh look at his makeup. That is not the realness of Korea. There's more levels to Korea, and people tend to glorify those things in Korea. And then when they come to Korea, they get culture shock and shell shock because they're like, oh, I didn't know all I know all this other stuff was going on. Well, yeah. So when I talk about life in Korea, when I have these episodes. We're going to actually talk about the actual life in Korea. We're not going to talk about the glamorous stuff for the most part. There's enough content creators out there for that. We're going to actually talk about real stuff that deals with life in Korea. So just so you guys know, the podcast is now distributed on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, and of course, Anchor. And just like I said, and if you use a different um, podcast application, whatever, that I didn't mention, but you still want to listen to the JCP Home Podcast, all you got to do is copy the RSS feed of my podcast and then paste it into your podcast catcher or whatever, and then you'll be able to get the episodes to my show. So now for transcripts, we will be posting the transcripts on my Medium so you can read it and whatnot. So I will be doing YouTube videos as well, and I'll put the links in the description for all that as well. And the posting time is going to be once a week, probably like Friday and Saturdays. And yeah. So today I have a special guest. I'll give you a quick introduction of her. Her name is Venus Evelino. She's from the Philippines. She's been living in Korea for 18 years. And she is a bank loan consultant and education planner here in South Korea. Venus, is there anything else you want to introduce about yourself? Yes. Hi. Good morning, everyone. I'm Venus Avilino from the Philippines. And I live here in South Korea for about 18 years as a bank consultant and an education planner. Yes, uh, we're giving loan opportunities to all the workers here in South Korea and also to those who want to take and apply loan for the families in, back home and to start their dreams. So not everyone can apply anyway. Only for those who has F6 visas and to the married migrants and Korean citizens as well. Okay. We'll get a little bit more into the loan stuff. And I'm happy. I'm, I'm glad she mentioned about 
they that her company they provide um, loans for workers, which is suitable for this conversation that we're talking about. And like I said, so name the title. Of, of, like I said earlier on, I said we're going to talk about migrants are doing the jobs South Koreans sneer at. So what I mean is, so for one, there are the last count, there's about one point one million five hundred and seventy thousand long-term foreign residents in Korea. And I'll share links to the blog post where I got these numbers from so you can read more on it. Out of that 1.57 million um, long-term foreign residents, there are about 646,000 workers who are legally documented, who are undocumented, who work in like small to medium enterprises here in Korea. So as those you don't know, most Koreans are highly educated. They go to college, they work hard, they get good jobs, so they can go try to work in like the big corporations, like your Samsungs, your LGs, and whatnot. So what that does is it leaves a high rate of vacant jobs in your blue-collar type works, stuff that young Koreans will call 3D jobs, which are dirty, dangerous, and demanding, or you know, difficult. And the type of work is we're talking about like manufacturing, fishing, agriculture, construction, you know, work like that. They, these young, these new generation of Korean kids, they're like, look, I don't want to go do that. And plus, it doesn't pay the amount of money that they would like to get paid. So these companies, they need workers for this. And the Korean economy needs these companies to operate. So what ends up happening is that Korea bring in these foreigners. I know Venus, so you probably know them more than I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How many of your clients are migrant workers that come through looking for like loans? I don't want to give uh, figures. Really. Uh, it, no, gonna be exact. It can just be like you know. Or how many do you know? Like, I'm gonna be exact figures. Yeah, yeah. But we have many countries from Asia, like the Philippines, Indonesia, Cambodia, Nepal, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka. Uzbekistan, Mongolian, Thailand, Vietnam, and China. So majority Southeast Asian countries. Right? And, yeah, Myanmar also. Okay. So, and most of them are like your migrant workers. They're working in like factories and stuff like that. Yeah, most of them are, you know, working in the manufacturing companies and the uh, farm also. So, yeah, so, most of them are from Asia. Okay. So, like I said. Young Koreans call this type of work <laughs> 3D jobs. They call it dirty, dangerous, and demanding. Yeah. So is this is it a true statement? Yes. <laughs> and why is that? So elaborate for me. Like from your interaction with these migrant workers, what is like the work conditions of these jobs? The working conditions of this job, of course, it's not easy for them because it's dangerous job because it's a um, dirt. What they call it? <laughs> I don't want to say dirty jobs, but it's a difficult job that even Koreans can do long hours. But, you know, they are from Asian, so they can do 12 hours a day. And some of them, if they needed more, and they have to undergo a lot of trainings, and then they have to do overtime in order for them to get more income. More. Some of them... They can't, you know, I heard a lot of stories like they do day and night in order for them to earn more. So they work a whole 24 hours. Yes, some of them. 
That's why there's a lot of uh, workers who died early. Because of just working yeah. nonstop. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so it's kind of sad, right? They, they, not, you know, it's sad that they're doing work in a country that's not their own country, right? But this is where the work is at. And I know a lot of times, even from, from some of the migrant workers that I interact with, I know most of the time the money that they make, they're sending back home for their families, right? Yes, most of them, most of the workers, they send money back home. That's why they are taking loans from the bank. So they take loans from the bank. That's kind of like a, a tough situation to be in, right? You leave your family back in your home country to come to Korea to work in jobs that are considered by the Koreans dirty, dangerous, and demanding, right? And then yeah, yeah. you, and then you're working 24 hours so you can make more money to send back home. But then even then, the situation might be to the point where, look, I need to take a loan out to send back home. So now you are essentially, you're now working this job just to pay off this loan. But you're, you're doing it because you're trying to take care of your family. And I get it. You know, we have to do what we got to do and take care of our families. But what kind of benefits do these migrants get when they do this work? It, are there any benefits that comes with these jobs? Of course, there's uh, a lot of benefits for them to do the job, but to do 24 hours, not all of them, but some of them are doing that also. The benefits, of course, they can support their families back home and then they can uh, start their dreams, their goals as early as possible. Unlike if they're living in their own countries, it's hard to earn that money. Okay. So when you say their dreams and goals, like what are some of their dreams and goals that these migrant workers have? Most of them, when I interviewed, almost of them, almost the same, same goals and dreams, like to build their houses, to buy land, or to start a business, and to raise the children and their educations. So most of them, they have the same goals and dreams. Hmm. So what's the normal gender? Is it mainly men that, or is it women? Like, what's normally you have seen? Is it mainly women or is it mainly men or is it like a 50-50? Like most of them are men. Really? They're oh, women, okay. but just few because of, you know, the job in the manufacturing companies are not easy. But that's the job. Most most of them, they offered it for men, not for women. And do those man? Uh, so I'm assuming those manufacturing jobs pay more money too, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So from what I researched earlier, they said they have estimated that there's 646,000 migrant workers here in Korea. 248,000 of them are legally documented. But 398,000 are undocumented workers. So you said yes. for your company, in order for these people to get loans, they have to have a visa. So pretty much only less than half of that 646 workers, depending on their visa, they can actually get a loan from a credible company like yours, right? Yes. What's the requirements for that 248,000 legally documented? For, uh, for the Legally documented uh, workers, of course, they have to submit all the required documents, like ARC or Wigogin Dengnokchung. What's ARC? What's that? Alien Registration Card. Okay. 
And then number two, they should have a passport, a valid passport. Not expired. Not less than six months. Yes, not expired. And then number three, they should have a labor contract or fusion kunlukiaksu. What's that? That's a labor contract from the company. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then number four, they should have employment certificate or chijik jongyongso. So that's also important. And then number five, they should provide the six-month salary account transaction statement from the bank. Or that is in Korean, gopyo tongjang, goreni yokso, yokki walbun. Okay, so that's it. That's all that's required. For the EPS or the workers. Right. Oh, yeah. So I forgot to mention that. So the legally documented migrant workers, they are here through a program that South Korea has set up and it's called Employment Permit System. So all the legal and yeah, so the, the legal documented migrants are under the Employment Permit System, EPS, like Venus said. And those are the ones who are legally working in these blue collar jobs for these SME companies. So Venus, so after they, they show you all these documents, how much of a loan can they get? What's like the normal terms, like the payback term, the payback period, and like the interest rates? What's the average? You don't have to give us exact numbers, but just give us like a general idea of what they can expect. Okay. It depends actually on how long or the visa, visa length that they have for them to get more loans, to get the big amount or the maximum amount. And we have the maximum, and of course, we have the minimum amount. And the minimum amount, which is uh, 3 million one, and it's payable into five months. That's a minimum. And then for the maximum amount, for the class A countries like Nepal, Cambodia, and the Philippines, they can get maximum of 20 million one. And oh, wow. yes. And then for the other countries, the other countries, they can get the maximum amount of 15 million won average. Yeah. So, so that's... would the U.S. be considered a Class A country too? <laughs> yeah, of course, but <laughs> <laughs> U.S. is not included on the list of loan beneficiaries. So, <laughs> yeah. Really? Because... So, why isn't the U.S. included on that list? Because you don't have the EPS, right? You don't have EPS in South Korea. Only the um, Asian countries. Oh, so uh, I, yeah, so that's a good. That's a good point to bring up. So the EPS is for just pretty much Southeast Asian countries that allow people to come migrate to, to Korea. Allowed to work in the manufacturing companies. So like all these SMEs, like construction, manufacturing, agriculture, and fishing. Yeah, yeah. So this is a South Korean program that targets pretty much like developing. Asian countries pretty much. So you yes. said Cambodia, Philippines, Thailand, Nepal, and, so, and all that. Yeah. So for me as an American, you know, since they're assuming I wouldn't work in these jobs, and so I can't even enter the EPS program. So because I can't enter the EPS program, I can't go to like a company like yours asking for a loan. I got to go to a different, <laughs> a different route to get a fun, uh, a loan because I, I'm not under the EPS program. And that's, that's something interesting, but no, but once again, that's something people don't know because, you know, a lot of people only think the teachers or you hear the military, but not a lot of people know about the migrant um, life in Korea. This is a real good thing that you brought, you brought it up. 
you know, because I'm thinking, all right, cool. You know, I'm from America. I, I should be able to come in and get a, a loan too then, right? <laughs> but yes. <laughs> but there are banks also that giving loans to Americans and other countries, not on the list of our loan beneficiaries. So I think, uh, okay. yeah, it, it, it is better to search. No, no, I agree. I agree. We talked about how legally documented EPS workers can get a loan. So, what about the undocumented? Like, what about the three hundred ninety-eight thousand, three hundred ninety-eight thousand undocumented workers? Like, how can they get financial help? Uh, for illegally undocumented workers, of course, they can't because you know, in the government law. They already, <laughs> you know, what they call this. It's hard to explain, but they're already stay here illegally. They broke the law. So how? I agree. Yeah. So the bank, nobody can give them that benefit anyway because so they don't have these, the visa. My question: So are these loans that the bank gives to legally documented, undocumented EPS workers? Are those loans like backed by the government? Like what a government? Like cover the bank if these EPS employee, uh, employees default on a loan, would the Korean government cover those loans for the bank? Yes. Ah, yeah. okay. For, for the bank. Yeah, other also other not only bank who's giving that loan, but also lending companies in South Korea. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at least they can complete the requirements. They can get loan. Okay. So that makes sense. And I guess it's Korea's way in trying to help out the EPS employees by, okay, hey, look, we will back these lending companies or these banks who give loans to EPS employees. So kind of elite, so kind of taking the risk off the plate of these Korean companies and while at the same time helping these EPS people, these employees get financial support that they need to, like you said, hopefully start working on their goals of buying a house back, buying, building a house back home and whatnot, right? Yeah, because, you okay. know, it's not easy to adjust in other country and then they already had their loans also in their countries. So they need to pay all those debts. So, you know, by the help of the bank, they can start to adjust in this uh, society in South okay, Korea. So- so kind of like a help you on your feet type of loan. Yeah. Okay. So going back to the undocumented, I met this one young lady who was undocumented and she told me that she took a loan from like the Korean mafia. <laughs> now, it's that story. So she didn't know. And she said it. I said, why did you do it? She said, well, I didn't know I was taking a loan from the Korean mafia. So she made friends with a um, Korean woman and she thought it was her friend, she said, and the girl offered her a little loan because she, she needed to send money back home to take care of her her, her family and whatnot because she had some stuff going on. So she took the loan, and when she took the loan, a gentleman gave her a call saying that you owe your first payment. And it wasn't a monthly payment. She getting a loan that was, she had to pay interest weekly pretty much on this loan. And then she found out that the girl was actually working with the Korean mafia who targeted, like we said, undocumented um, migrant workers here who need money. 
it sounds like a scary situation if you think about it. If you you're in another you're in a foreign country, right? And you pretty much got kind of tricked into taking a loan from a mafia organization, and and then they tell you, hey, look, you got to pay back this. You got to pay weekly interest that is ridiculous. She's in a hard place. If she goes to the police for help, she ends up, she ends up getting deported and banned from Korea for life, or she stays here and work probably 24 hours in a day to pay back the loan and to have extra money to take care of herself and send back home. So I wonder, is, do you hear similar stories from other undocumented migrants here in Korea? There's a lot of stories like that because, uh, of course, for the legal legal ID holders, documented people, they help also the illegal aliens here in South Korea. Mm-hmm. But of course, they give high interest, so that's the bad thing. Even in a friend circle, if you get a loan from them, they will charge you with ten percent interest. That's what EPS workers. That's what a legal documented. No, even to the illegal documented, uh, illegal. The legal. So, what's the average interest for legal legal doc like the EPS workers? What's the average interest rates on their loans that they get from these banks? Or lending companies from Jinbook Bank, we're giving the lowest interest rate, like fifteen percent annual annual interest. I heard from the other, I don't know if bank or lending companies, they're giving twenty four percent annual. How twenty four percent? Yes, annual interest. But they're not banks; they're just lending companies. So wait, <laughs> because like, what's the typical interest that Koreans get on loans? I heard four to five percent for if a Korean get a loan. Is that, is that correct? Korean, uh, for Koreans, for Koreans, actually, it depends to the credit okay. rating of uh, an individual. So most of my Korean clients they get from eight percent up to seventeen percent annual. Okay. Yes. Okay, okay, so it's not too much different. Uh, I, I guess you say that. But my thing is, though, <laughs> that the legally documented, the EPS employees, they get a 10% or a 24%, depending on where they go to. But like you said, these loans are backed by the Korean government. So if they're backed by the Korean government, shouldn't the banks consider giving them a lower... Uh, in your opinion, which you, I don't know, you might... Should, do you, because they're backed by the Korean government, Shouldn't the interest rates be slightly lower for them? Since you know, versus charging them high interest rates, especially if you know they're working in these jobs that pay less than normal, the higher echelon of jobs, and they're trying to get money to, to live here and also send to their family. Shouldn't their interest be slight, a little bit lower? I was wondering, what do you think? Actually, I have to uh, some correction between that uh, Korean government. Actually, they're not giving. The Korean government are not giving that loan, but the bank itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the Korean government, they like back the loan, right? So the, if a, the EPS employee defaults, can't pay it, can the bank get the Korean government to pay it for them or give the money to the bank? No, they're not giving oh, money. Okay. okay, got it. Corrected. So they're not government backed loans. All right, then that makes sense. So yeah, and then it makes sense that the interest rates that high. Okay, cool, cool. That makes sense. So, moving on from that part. Now, here's the thing, right? The Korean economy has 
taken a hit due to COVID. And those highly sought after jobs that Koreans want to work aren't as plentiful. So right now, the Korean economy does a huge, there's a sizable unemployment rate. But mm-hmm. there's still in the, mm-hmm. but there's still demand for blue collar blue collar workers. <laughs> those three yeah. jobs, right? Yeah. Those dirty, <laughs> um, dangerous, and dependable. So there's there's still demand for these lower echelon of jobs. But yet the Koreans like, I don't want that job, <laughs> right? So right now, so like I said, these Korean small to medium enterprise companies, they still need workers. And then yeah. also COVID, yeah. all, and COVID also made it difficult for immigrants, migrant workers to come here too, right? Yeah, no new. There's no new contract employees here. They can't come. They can't enter Korea since the beginning of pandemic. So the problem right. here is they're lacking of workers. So they need to right. extend the visa. So I read an article and it talks about this. It talks about how, you know, the Korean economy right now, the Korean economy has benefited from these EPS legally documented and undocumented workers in these blue collar jobs. They benefited from it. But even though the Korean economy has benefited from it, some Koreans don't want to do the work, even though there's still demand for workers. And at the same time, some Koreans don't want immigrant workers. They don't want, they don't want migrant workers. So they're kind of contradicting themselves, right? And then, like we said, COVID impacted the Korean economy, and some Koreans are asking for more crackdowns on, on the undocumented migrant workers and jobs needed for the Korean economy. But Koreans don't want to do it them and don't want to do it themselves. And even then, they have been called. Some Koreans have asked to legalize paying migrant workers less than the federal minimum wage. And I include a link to that article. That's crazy, right? Like the current system for migrant workers is designed to discourage permanent settlement of blue collar workers in Korea. That's the current status of this system. What do you think about that? Like, what's your feelings and thoughts on that? I don't want to question about the Korean government system because <laughs> it's not a part of my job. But for me, illegal resident here help the economy also. and both even the legal residents in South Korea or legal workers, both of them uh, benefit the economy. So the government should uh, give the same or fair treatment to all the foreigners lived in South Korea. But I heard some stories also that illegal workers here also got a benefits from the government, just like vaccines and then help, financial help. Yeah. They, they give also, even they are, yeah. yeah. So it's good also to live in South Korea. So if you don't know, <laughs> there's a lot of illegal workers here because they benefit also from the economy. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm happy that the Korean government did take care of the undocumented immigrants. So I'm pretty sure they was worried and scared themselves, right? They probably was like, hey, we want help, but we can't ask for help without risk of being put in jail, deported, you know what I'm saying? So, but I'm happy the Korean government did open the doors a little bit to helping those people. That's, that's real good. That's a good look. I like that. But I think 
the bigger picture, the bigger underlying problem that needs to be solved eventually, especially with Korea. And like, cause you, cause you, you're, I know you're from the Philippines, but you are now considered a Korean citizen, right? You have your past, your Korean passport and everything, correct? Yes, I'm a dual citizen. Right. And you've been here for 18 years. So you've seen it. I've been here since I was 13, like not as much as you, but you have more experience. You have more insight. You've probably been through different levels of the, <laughs> of being mm-hmm. here in Korea. Yeah, you yeah. Know, mm-hmm. Even myself, I'm looking to, once I get out the Air Force, I'm no longer under the social status. I plan on working towards at least getting my permanent residency here in Korea so I can um, raise my daughter who's half Korean and build my businesses as well. So for us who are looking to build a life in Korea, we would like to see things where, I'm not going to say they be more favorable for non-Koreans, but at least create an environment for foreigners where they don't feel like they are just being, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Yes. You know, because especially if there's a huge demand for labor in a particular um, sector, but your own population don't want to do it because they feel it's beneath them because their education and training over the years, but you have a body of people who is willing to come here and do the work for you, which benefits your economy, I feel like it's a win-win for everybody. And uh, so if it and if everyone wins, then it shouldn't be a problem. We shouldn't have fear going on. And I think that's actually what's probably driving the pushback on it is because, you know, I know I understand Korean history, but I think a lot of it, a lot of the pushback on migrant workers is a, a fear of whatever it may be. But I think that's what it stems from. because. If you don't want to do the job, but this person wants to do the job and you need the job done (laughs) (laughs) and you have no rational reason behind not wanting this person to do it, then it has to be some type of emotional response that's making people push back on migrants, especially if they don't want them. Because like these, these migrant employees, they come over here without their family. If they have kids, they're leaving their kids in their home country. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they don't have their kids with them. Some don't have their husbands with them. Some don't have their wives with them. They are like away from their family, so they can try to provide and hopefully build a better life for their family. That's saying here, that's not a tough thing that these legally are and undocumented migrant workers are doing is they are away from their families, working jobs that are considered dirty, dangerous, and demanding for pay that's not as much in for Korean standards, but it's probably a lot for them back home. So like, I think there should be better conditions for these people doing these blue collar jobs. I really do. Especially if the Korean economy needs it, you know, yeah. to stay. Um, <laughs> but do you have any last minute, like anything you want to plug or any like your last any thoughts on this topic? Like I say, you've been here 18 years. I'm pretty sure you have a ton of <laughs> insight on this. Okay. So you have anything else you want to say? Yeah. And even to the education, not just, uh, you know, the other part of uh, in this country, how the Korean government will help. But I'm thinking also about the future generation. If they start from young ones, because, you know, nowadays you can see, right, it's a multicultural country 
different countries from different backgrounds. So you can see here in South Korea, they should help the education for the foreigners here living in South Korea, starting from the little kids so they can uh, adjust easily in this environment without discrimination. I agree 100%. <laughs> because if they start from the little ones, you know, the young ones, of course, the young ones will give a lot of insights about South Korea. <laughs> you can hear about some foreigners living here, negative, negative comments, like I heard discrimination or something like that. But just like I said, if they start from little kids, and then we never know that those kids gonna become a global leaders in South Korea someday because they are from multicultural families. They know how to handle it, right? Yeah, you're right about that. You know, because South Korea is mostly homogenous nation, right? And they're just now starting to, to begin courting multiculturalism, actually. But with a mostly insular culture that rejects immigration, that's the underlying wall and barrier that we have to tackle in order for us to even get them to consider, hey, look, let these people come here and let them bring their families. Let them bring their children. And over time, you're going to start having a generation that could probably speak, and speak Korean, but they also have a different culture background from where they come from, but they still speak Korean. And that can also help benefit Korea in the long run by if, if we really truly open up to multiculturalism and stop being so worried about losing. And I think that's what it is. It comes down to them worry about losing Korean culture for some. That's really what I think is the the underlying issue. Because you and me, like, you speak three languages. You speak Tagalog, Korean, and English. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you speak three languages. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. You have a nonprofit that helps out other Filipinos here. Your kids don't even have Korean, and they learn Korean culture, and, you, and you're teaching them Filipino culture at the same time. So you are a good example of when you allow um, migrants and foreigners to come in, you let them in your country, but then you also let them bring their culture as well. You help create diversity. You help create new ideas. You help create, it helps sparks new industries that can also benefit your country. So I think that's all we, that's all I want to talk about for this topic. Venus, I thank you for your time. Thank you for your insight. I hope the audience likes it. And I hope whoever else listed this really gets a different view on Korea versus the glitz and glam that they always see. And that's what I want to achieve when I do Life in Korea topic podcast is to do pull back the veil. This is the true, this is the baby's ugly, you know, <laughs> the baby's <laughs> ugly, but, but we have to acknowledge that the baby is sometimes the baby is ugly. Sometimes the baby is pretty and there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong. We have to, we have to acknowledge that. So Thank you for coming on to the show. I really do thank you for your thank time. You. Um, thank you so much, Jason. Uh, no for, problem. So for inviting me. For those of you, I'll have some links to Venus's company. So if you want to check out what they offer, some of you might actually be EPS workers who's listening to this podcast. So if that's yeah. the case, I will yeah. make sure to include links to Venus's company so you contact her and get with her. Or even if you're not an EPS employee, you might just be another person like me from America 
who is interested in learning more about this topic because he's finding interesting, I will put her contact information in there. But in that, thank you guys for listening. Please like, comment, share, subscribe to the podcast, help it grow. And I am out. Thanks for listening to the end. We'd appreciate it if you subscribe, give a review, and share. Until next time.